Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. $90,000 that I was just throwing down the drain of scholarship money for this one three to six month internship. And it worked out (laughs) because I just went with, you know, my future plans. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hello, my name is Pavlina Mitsu and I'm from Greece. My vocation is software engineering and it's been around a year now that I work professionally. My passion is clean code and software design. Recently, I discovered the Women in Tech community and I'm so excited about it. All of the members of the community are supportive and kind. The content that is published in the group, it is really interesting and I'm surprised of how many different ways the group can motivate and keep you abreast about tech topics. If anyone would like to connect with me, you can find me on LinkedIn with Pavlina Mitsu or you can send me an email on pavlinamitsu at gmail.com. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. A little personal spot for you. My therapist taught me this word a long time ago, curiosity. I know you're like, duh, I know that word. No, because sometimes I'm such a direct person. I'll jump right to the point. And sometimes the way I talk could possibly come off really judgmental or something like that. So he suggested I use the word or the transition line. I'm curious because literally that's why I'm asking. And that actually influenced me and how I speak to people in general, instead of just jumping to an assumption of, you know, why something isn't going a certain way that I thought it would go, instead becoming more the observer and ask questions and just share like, I'm curious, because sometimes you don't know what's going on in someone's life. You don't know, like, I had a business meeting the other day. And it came up that the other person had like lost a family member the day before. And that just came up in conversation. But imagine if I didn't know that. And imagine if it was something where that person didn't deliver something at the time that, you know, I had expected it. And then what the truth of the matter was, they had this terrible thing that had happened in their lives. So I think it's important to take a beat and be curious, especially as founders or as professionals, when we're trying to get a lot done, instead of jumping to conclusions and judgments and, and irritations, just kind of take a beat to become curious first and kind of interrupt your, your thought patterns from that 
fast assessment of like, oh, this is, isn't working. I'm frustrated. So I'm like, let me find out what's going on there. And maybe sometimes it's just not the right fit. And then maybe other times like something legitimate is going on that, you know, we just didn't know about. Enjoy the next episode. Bye. women in tech around the world. So excited to be here with our next guest, Asia, coming at us from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? So happy to be doing this with you. Super excited. So we started talking a little bit before the interview and we were having a really meaningful convo and we thought it would be useful to the community if we just continued that convo on the podcast. But before we do, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do? Uh, hey, everybody. My name is Deja Williams. I am an engineer at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, but I am from St. Louis, Missouri. I studied engineering management at Missouri University of Science and Technology, and I like to mix uh, hip hop and education. I like to rap about math and science so that young students can get intrigued by the STEM field and, and maybe become a NASA engineer themselves. When you are a musician or a rapper or something like that, like if a, a movie or anything like picks up your song or like a commercial, it's called sync licensing. And, you know, that's huge. Like that's not the point of making a song, but it's like the radio spinning your song or, you know, just getting it played to different people and it's not you playing it. So it's a sync license is what I got. Walk us through like, it's really hard to get in and you got into the program so you can get the sync licensing. Why is it hard to get into? What is it about? Because I mean, your Instagram post was on fire. Awesome. So, okay. So, you know, the movie bad boys or the song bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? So whoever what wrote you gonna that do song when they come for you. <laughs> right. See, we all know it. We all know it because they got a sync license to be in these different movies and things of that sort. So me, I don't have, you know, regular music. It's more educational. So I got a sync license, but with universities. So I got a sync license with uh, Capella and Strayer University, which is really huge in the music business, but I'm kind of in, in a unique lane where I got it with a university. So that was super exciting. A lot of people don't get sync licenses and I didn't m imagine to get one with my educational music, but the world saw fit. So I love that. I love that. And talking about the world soffit, let's jump into the convo before we get into your extraordinary journey being a woman in tech. I'd love to get into the convo that we were having. I was sharing that it's really time where I want to take that leap as afraid as I am, and I'm deathly afraid, into stepping into my big, into like giving myself permission to not be small anymore. So a friend of mine passed away this weekend. He was the CEO of Zappos. And wow, I'm so sorry to hear that. Thank you. I appreciate it. He would always want me to be big. He would want me to be his equal. And I never felt that inside myself. I was always really resistant. And he was always trying to invite me to be his equal. And I would always push it away. Like I would just stay small. And I think most of my career, even though maybe my image would grow as my career would progress, on the inside, I still felt small. 
And now I want to live my full purpose and like dive into it. And with that means stepping into my big, but that also means being exposed to more people who may be critical of me or something and having to build up the confidence in myself and the resilience to continue to stay connected in alignment with my purpose, regardless of like the noise around me. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was just sharing with you before we started recording, like how super afraid I am. And both Deja and I thought it would be like helpful if I shared that with all of you. And then you shared something. I was like, no, we need to stop talking. We need to start press record. So can you share a little bit about what you were sharing with me? So I was saying that sometimes I feel guilty about the success that I experienced. School was hard, right? Math and science. Everybody says math is not my favorite subject or I hate math or some form of that type of sentence. And I used to be that person until I just kind of dug deep and got closer with my teachers or got closer with some peers that I, I didn't necessarily mesh with. And I figured it out. But I know that a lot um, of people next to me couldn't do that. So how am I being rewarded for being able to push through a system that wasn't meant for me to win? Like, yes, I pushed through, but look at how many people I feel like I left behind You know, just because I made it through doesn't mean that the system works. And that's the, it's like, oh, we got to fix this system. So I'm being celebrated, but it's like, wait, no, I made it through because of XYZ reason, but like the system is still messed up. There's still people that are left behind. So it's kind of like, I just feel guilty sometimes. Yeah. Is it kind of like this term I hear about survivor's guilt? Yes. Oh my God. Yes, that is a a very good explanation because I have people that I hang out with or friends that I know that are just as capable of what, you know, what I've done, you know, couldn't tie the knot or, you know, couldn't connect the dots. I'm thinking so many thoughts at the same time because I feel like there's so many people out there that just deserve to win. And it's like, what's blocking their path because they're like good people, they're talented people, they're they're creative people, they're kind people. So like why aren't they winning? So with that, I mean, you see, you can see their talent behind closed doors and things of that sort, but the rest of the world can't. Sometimes, like I said, I used to ask my mom all the time like why me? You know, why did I get chosen for this scholarship? Uh why did I get chosen to like I've been doing great things like all of my life and a lot of times my my mom fought for a lot of that I'll be honest my mom put me in a lot of great places there's this really cool internship when I was in high school it was called the yes teens and it was youth exploring science and you had to be nominated to be in it my mom introduced the program to my boys and girls club but I still didn't get chosen Uh, but she went in there. She's like, yo, I introduced the program to you guys. Like my daughter needs to be in this. I want her to learn these STEM topics. Uh, so she got me in there, but the fact that they said, yes, like, okay, why am I getting this special privilege? You know, 
Yeah, I don't know. I can't explain it. If you don't mind, like, what if you reframed it to like, I get this opportunity and with it, I'm going to be able to create more pathways for so many people to join me. Absolutely. Like, like you are the kind, thoughtful leader that should have these opportunities because you will look back and grab someone's hand and bring them up to be along your side. And maybe some people won't. So the opportunities are possibly going to you because you're the person to create leadership to bring others with you. Maybe. I don't know. I agree with that. That that alone is what helps me answer those why me questions. Because I can't name another NASA engineer that's writing music and trying to go speak to kids and like I'm dedicating all of my off time to making sure that kids understand math and science. And don't get me wrong, I know there are a lot of engineers and NASA engineers that that are doing this, but I'm trying to take it so far, you know, just to, you know, lay that bridge back in and bring some others with me cuz right now I feel alone where I am. There's no one that, you know, that looks like me. Not a lot, you know, not a lot of women, not a lot of black people, not a lot of LGBTQ family there. So I feel like I don't want the next Deja to go through what I'm going through. So let's ground up all of your homies. Let's learn this math and let's go together, you know. So that's where I'm at with it. In a different way, it's the same incentive or drive, I should say, that why I created my company, We Are LA Tech, why I created this podcast, Women in Tech. Like my journey being an entrepreneur has been so difficult, but it's so authentically me. Like I'm destined to be this. So I wanted to create safe collaborative spaces that elevate and support people who deserve to win to win. Because like I've had to like fight and just like push to move forward. And it's just been a very, to be like really open, it's been a really isolating journey. And so I just like feel so driven. I feel like I'm creating spaces for the 18 year old version of myself to have the guidance and support that she needs in order to win because she is putting her whole heart, soul, and kind intention behind what she's doing, you know? And I think you're the right person to be there because you'll bring other people up with you. You'll create a better path for them. And yeah, yeah, no no more, if possible, no more feeling guilty. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'll, I'll do my very best. Yeah, so thank you for that. Maybe like how I'm working right now, evolving to like step into my big, which is really scary. Maybe for you, it's stepping into your leader, like your inner leader. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I don't understand. Know. Do you like it or no? Uh, I do. I do like it. And so I played basketball growing up, right? And I was actually really good at it. But, like, I was always the one who wanted – there could be a game-winning shot, but I would pass the ball to ensure that, you know, my teammate could get that, you know, that moment. Um, you know, I stepped up when I needed to to make sure we won the game and whatnot. But I was always a a giver when it came to basketball as opposed to attacking and scoring all the time. And it hurt me in the end, like when it came to my stats and stuff like that. 
But I don't know. I, I'm always afraid of being called a, a ball hog. If I could translate that into real life, I don't know what the word ball hog would be in real life application. But yeah, I, I just never want to be labeled as a ball hog. Like I want to spread the winds. I want to spread the love. I vibe what you're saying. But that's the thing, Deja, is that you're just not a ball hog. So like kind of side note, but so many people ask me how to podcast. and. I don't have any like courses. I do one thing sometimes on my own time. I do this live interactive thing. But in general, I don't have courses. I don't have all this. Do I know how to create a course? Yeah, sure. But I feel like course creators, like as an industry, it's like so gross. Like, I don't know. I'm just like, I don't want to be one of those people that capitalizes off of people's insecurities. Like, no way. Like, but somebody was telling me that Esprit, you'll never be gross. It's just not who you are. Like how you'll show up will be of a high value person. It will be consistent with everything else that you do. And it really, I'm not there yet in in switching my framework, but it, it definitely got me thinking in a different way that like for you, you're calling a ball hog in your journey. And for me, I'm calling it gross marketer, <laughs> like, you know, and maybe both of us, need to just own that that's just not who we are. It will never be who we are, but who we are is we're both people of service. And so we will show up for people who are like essentially like begging us to show up for them. And for me, by me holding back, I'm not providing the service that, you know, being of service as much as possible. So I agree with you first and foremost, but what I've had to realize, and I'm still learning it, is that People are willing to help. People are willing to help. And it's like, I can give this information. I can tell you how to be the best math student ever. Can you at least help me pay my rent? Like, I got to keep living. You know what I mean? Can you help me feed myself? Can you help me feed my family? So when I started looking at it from that standpoint, not a, oh, I'm trying to get out here and be rich, whatever. But it's like, in exchange for this, would you mind like rent's coming up next month? Not that I'm, you know, living check. No, to check, I get what you're like, saying. Yeah. Help me live my life. Help me help you. Yeah. Really. Cause you know, if I have a place to sleep, if I have to, food to eat, if I can, you know, take a trip for my mental health, I can be a better instructor leader for you. Uh, and that's how I've had to transform starting to sell things. Like I still haven't sold anything. Like oh I want to put like these hats on. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, people actually do need this. When I see like people, I'll read like YouTube comments and I'm like, these people, they're willing to give and with nothing in return. I just support you. Yeah. My friend Eric the other day was mentioning a book to me, like, I'd love to send it to you. And immediately I was like, no, 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 that's okay. I'll get it myself. And I was like, no, stop and allow someone to give, like, allow yourself to receive. Like, that's almost like selfish to be like, no, 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 you can't do that thing. You know, they would have made you feel so good to do. So I just think it's like, I think us givers, we have a little bit of a harder time because I think as a community of givers, we have like guilt complexes about it. Yeah, I agree with you. But I think it's great. I think it's very inspiring for everybody listening to hear that people like you with your heart exist. 
I just think you're going to continue to do phenomenal things. And I'm, I'm grateful to the universe that they advanced your career because you are going to be that person that continues to elevate others. And how great, because if, if you're not at the top, who will be? And if there's no one like Mm -hmm. you at the top, then that's going to be even harder for everybody else. Right. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Getting into your story of technology, when did you first fall in love with the world of tech? That's a good question. So I got into it with that with that internship I was telling you about with the Yes Teens. Um, but falling in love was once I got to college and I started doing internships. And um, I first started off at this place called Dot Foods, and it's a um, one of the largest uh, food distributors. So I'm seeing this huge warehouse of like Lay's potato chips and, or maybe not Lay's, but like Pringles, I for sure saw, or like M&M's, like all kind of, it's like, how do we have so much square footage of frozen and all kind of food? And seeing these machines go back and forth and packing these trucks, I'm like, oh, this is how we eat. There's much more than just going to Walmart and grabbing something out of the fridge, you know? And then after that, I went to Anheuser-Busch. I wasn't 21 at the time, so I couldn't drink any of the beer. (laughs) I know I'm going to get in. (laughs) Right. So I was was just amazed that I was working with the logistics team. So I got to see like how many truckloads were getting shipped to stores. So I get to see the behind the scenes and, and we're planning for Super Bowl a year before Super Bowl, like we're planning for, or not Super Bowl, but football season. We're, we're printing out like the team themed cans well before the season starts. You just get to see how business works and they're way ahead of you as the consumer. Where else? Apple. Oh my God. To see, like, I had to keep the iPhone seven a secret for so long. Like everybody knew it was coming out, but I could not talk about the features. I could not talk about anything. So that was so amazing. So being in these internships and and getting to see corporate America from a tech standpoint, it was like, whoa, the consumer experience, you have no idea what is put into making these products come to life. It's amazing. And how did you find NASA? So I'm a part of the National Society of Black Engineers. And they have a conference every single year. So a lot of these internships I got from Nesby is what we call it. So there's like this resume vault where you put your resume in. And I don't know if they do a keyword search. I have no idea. Put your resume in the resume vault and companies reach out to you. And NASA JPL reached out to me. I literally thought it was a joke. Like there's no way that I didn't even know that they were going to be at this conference. But they are. so, And I interviewed for them on the spot at the conference. So that, that's how they found me was through the National Society of Black Engineers, which is really cool. There's a different affinity groups like a Society of Women Engineers or SHIP, which is Society of, of Hispanic Engineers or something like that. But yeah, these groups are really cool and they get, you know, different demographics into these companies. So that's what kind of helped me. Can you talk to us a little bit more about the organization? Because I bet there's so many people listening right now that didn't know it existed and it would really help them in their lives. Like, do you just go to a website and join? How does it work? What can you expect? Does it cost anything? A good question. So Nesby, you can join Nesby, I think as young as like 
grade school or middle school. It's called Nesby Junior. And what you'll do is go to nesby.org and you'll find the different chapters in your area. I think they have maybe like five or six regions. So you'll find your region and find the closest chapter to you. Reach out to them. There is a membership fee. I'm not sure if there's one, a fee for a Nesby Junior, but I joined in college. So pay my little fee is like $18. And then there's a conference every year. It's about 160 bucks. And usually, depending on your university, they will pay for you to go because they know how valuable it is for you to go meet engineers that look like you, you know, talk like you, act like whatever. And then you also do the career fair where you get opportunity to meet all of these top Fortune 500 companies. It was like a utopia the first time. I was like, Texas Instruments. Oh my God. Whirlpool. Oh my God. Google, Facebook. Oh my God. So I would have never known that I could intern for NASA, Apple, Toyota, or any of these places without going to this place. So Nesby all day, nesby.org. You got it. I love it. And we'll include it in the show notes as well. It's so important. Any other resources along your journey that have been really valuable to helping you accelerate? YouTube. <laughs> it's so true though. Yeah. So many people no, learned YouTube. how to code from YouTube. Yeah, tell us, YouTube tell us more. is like amazing. So I was on Khan Academy before that thing even. It's like blowing up now and I haven't been to the site in a while. Khan Academy helped me so much with my math homework. And I don't want to say so much as resources, but my people skills is what got me through these tough math courses or science courses. The kid that's in the front of the class raising their hand, they're super obnoxious, No, <laughs> feel like they know more than anybody in the class. As annoying as they were, I would go get to know them. I would understand like where they're coming from and why they do what they do. And we become friends and we start studying together and my knowledge spills onto them and their knowledge, their vast knowledge spills onto me. And boom, I'm passing math classes at this point. I also made it a point. I sat in the front of the classroom. So the teacher knew who I was. You know, um, I asked questions. I wasn't afraid to ask questions in class because I know if I had it, everybody says it. If you have the question, someone else has it. But I lived and died by that. Like, I'm raising my hand and answering questions. I know my classmates probably, they either loved it or hated it. I'm not sure. But I would, after office hours, you're going to see me. You know, I would even go introduce myself on the first day. Like, hi, my name is Deja Williams. I'm a part of the basketball team. Or, yeah, I play basketball. So I always had to introduce myself because I wouldn't be at every class because I was out of town, you know, when we had university games or whatever. So. That helped me see how powerful it was to for the teacher to know who you were. Uh, and I don't want to call it so much as a, a teacher's pet. I wasn't that annoying. But they need to know who you are so that they know your learning style and know where you're struggling and things of that sort. So I just think you're so dope. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you. I can't wait to follow your journey and, like, see how you evolve your story. I just... I'm feeling very lucky that I get the opportunity to share this moment with you. What is one huge obstacle you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? Not being able to afford to go back to my school. So I went to college on a basketball scholarship, you know, didn't have to pay anything out of pocket, which is amazing, right? But then I got an opportunity to the opportunity at Anheuser-Busch 
that was during the basketball season. Mm. So I had a huge choice <gasps> to make. Yes. Yo, I want to know what your mom said. <laughs> oh my God. My mom, she was all about career, career, career. But my stepdad, he was my basketball coach growing up. So he's like, whatever you do, you need to make sure your scholarship is there when you get back. So I got, I'm getting pulled on both ends of the spectrum to be a great engineer or be a great basketball player. I talked to my coach, so can I redshirt this year? Redshirting is when you're on the team, you practice and all that, but you don't play in the game. Can I redshirt? This is a huge opportunity. You figure I'm like 19 years old. They're offering me maybe like $22 an hour. I'm so happy. I'm like, oh, I have to do this. And it's a resume builder. Like, so I don't know what to do. So I asked him, can I have my cake and eat it too? Can I stay on the team, go do the internship, come back? I promise you I'll work out, whatever. He said, no, your team needs you now. You're, this is a selfish thing that you're doing. It was really rough, but I ended up going with the internship, left, and so no more scholarship because he didn't want me to leave. So after the internship is over, it's like, okay, what do I do now? The internship is over. I don't have my scholarship. So I had to go to my local community college, St. Louis Community College. I did play basketball there, but it wasn't obviously a university or I played NCAA Division II. What happened was that internship, I followed my gut and went with that internship. And that's what got me those other ones behind it. So it was like I that struggle of giving up, you know, I, I even added it up. It was like almost like $30,000 a year. So I had finished my freshman year. So let's say $30,000, $90,000 that I was just throwing down the drain of scholarship money for this one three to six month internship. And it worked out <laughs> because I just went with, you know, my future plans. I wanted to ask, so two questions. Do you feel the coach was right? And second question, I know you said it worked out. Do you think now all these years later, do you feel like you made the right decision? I do feel like I made the right decision. Sometimes I think about the fact that I quit and and I don't know, I didn't get to see how far I would make it as a basketball player because I had goals of playing like overseas and things of that sort. So sometimes I think about that, but I do feel like I made the right decision because first of all, basketball was breaking my body down and I can, I can help more people, you know, not everybody plays basketball, but everybody has to take a math class. Literally every single person has to take a math class. So I'm happy with my decision and, and how much I can give back now. Do you think the coach was holding you back or do you think he was right? Or I don't actually even know if it's a he or That's she. That's a good question. It was a he. You did ask me that. It Was he right? Uh, for his personal pers- job and his, from his perspective, he had a job to do, which was for his team to win. But at the end of the day, we're student athletes and he thought I was an athlete student. Do you think he was the one being selfish? Of course. Yeah, I do. I do think so. So interesting that he was like, you're being selfish when really maybe he was the one that was being selfish. I agree. I totally agree. Especially like, you know, this is a 19 year old with her life ahead of her. You know what the best decision for her is. She's not going to be able to bounce this ball for the rest of her life. Tell her the right thing to do. You know, I trust you 
you're my coach, you're my leader, you you gave me the opportunity to even be at the school that's focused on academics. It's a huge like engineering school in the Midwest. So I don't know. I, I think he, he we could have worked it out where I could con- could have continued my basketball career. But, you know, sidestepped a little bit and got this experience and then came back and played basketball. I think it was an important thing to kind of share and chat about just now because there's so many influential leaders listening to the show in places where they're making decisions on a daily basis that affect other people's lives. And I think in hearing your story and hearing the different perspectives may help them in being more open-minded to like the depth of their decisions for others, you know? And also I was just genuinely curious. Oh, I mean, when you bring on talent, when you're a recruiter of any sort, like you got to just always want the best for your talent, whether that's with you or with another team, you know, especially in the workplace. Like if you see potential in this particular employee or, you know, yeah, employee of yours and you know that they would do better on that team, like pitch them to that team. Don't be selfish and hold them back. So interesting. Before we go too much further, where can people connect with you? I mean, people need to be following you on Instagram, hundreds. For sure. <laughs> so Instagram, you can uh, follow me at, at Deja.Monet. So that's D-A-J-A-E dot M-O-N-A-E. And it's the same on Twitter, but just within, instead of a dot, it's an underscore. So D-A-J-A-E underscore Monet, M-O-N-A-E. Hit me up on LinkedIn. You can, I'm the only random Deja Williams in the world. So just search my name and you'll find my social medias or DejaWilliams.com has everything. It's a one-stop shop for all my social medias. I want people to subscribe to my YouTube. I am about to start posting more YouTube, but I'm like halfway to monetizing. So I need more subscribers. Go to YouTube and search my name, Deja Williams, and you'll find me there. You'll find my educational music videos and there'll be more cool stuff to come. I love it. So a few fun questions I like to ask. First one, have you ever been on a podcast before? Yes, I have. Yay! Tell Mm -hmm. tell me one or two of them that we could recommend them to our audience. Oh my God. NPR has, this is my hugest like feature ever. NPR has a a science-y podcast. Um, and it's called Shortwave. And it's basically like everyday science. It's making the everyday person interested in science. So they don't use all of these huge words that people don't understand. Um, that's a that's a good one. Uh, I was on the Lindsay Elmore show. I did that recently. Um, yeah, I've done a few. I just can't remember them all. <laughs> you are so famous. <laughs> oh, my God. You're crazy. <laughs> and... What is the best piece of advice that your mom has given you? Because your mom sounds like a superhero. She sounds like an incredible mom that we should all aspire to be like. So I'd love to know the words that have stuck with you that your mom gave you. She is a superhero. Her best piece of advice was to consider the STEM field. I initially wanted to be a music producer and she saw that I was getting a little bit better at math and science. And she saw the numbers that there weren't a lot of African-Americans and um, women in in those fields. So she wanted me to consider engineering and I just kind of took off with it. So the fact that she led me in that way, that's her best piece of advice. She changed my life with that. 
I love it. Your mom, dude. I feel like your mom's a legend. <laughs> Honestly, she is. I keep telling her she needs to write that book. Like, I don't even know what the title would be, but she's got some gems. I think the book should be How to Be a Mom. <laughs> How to Be a Mom. I'll let her know. I'll, I'm going to text her. And your favorite website, mobile app or software, like something you can't live without? First thing that comes to my mind is Clubhouse because that's where you and I met. It's just such Everyone, a, in case you don't know, I'm now the face of Clubhouse, which is wild. Yes, <laughs> she is the face of Clubhouse. I'm looking at her right now twice. <laughs> No, but the app is so cool because you get to connect with people that across the world, like I'll be, I'm here in LA and it'll be like 3 a.m., but what, 6 a.m. in New York and and the conversation will still be going with East Coasters in the building. Like it's the craziest thing. Or even, you know, people in London, like I'm meeting all kinds of people on the app and meeting people that I can collaborate with and, you know, we can just share our skills and help each other grow. If you go to joinclubhouse.com, you could sign up to be on the wait list and reserve your username. It's an audio social network. And right now it's invite only, but they are letting people in from the waiting list. So just go to join club. I sound like a commercial, but I just know what the URL is. Go to joinclubhouse.com. And I think you'll probably get in pretty fast. And it is a really... Think of it kind of like a simulated conference where you have different panel sessions you could go to. You can hang out in the hotel lobby, but really that's like, you know, in an app. You could go to the local like jazz bar. Like it just has these like auditory experiences. To me, it feels like a conference that's in a city where like after the panel sessions are over, you then go to these other areas, but you still keep creating these meaningful connections. Absolutely. I've fallen asleep on the <laughs> Clubhouse. App a couple of times. Because I'm tucking up all you night. in. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what it's called. See, I didn't even know that. Yes, I, I've definitely fallen asleep in some rooms because the conversation is so good. And you're like, I cannot miss a word that's being said. Yeah. Same. And then I love to ask, what is your favorite book? What is my favorite book? Um, I cannot think of the authors, but this book called Designing. Your life is amazing. Um, there's some professors at Stanford that they have a whole class on it, but they also created a book. And it just kind of helps you get creative with your goals. Like, you know, when you see your goal, you want to go in this straight line, but it kind of teaches you how to like, oh, there's a pit stop. Let me get a trampoline to jump over it. Like literally helping you really design your life. But it's not a straight path to your to your goals. It's like getting creative with how you achieve it. And the best advice that you've gotten? The best piece of advice that I've received is to remain blameless. And I think I got that from uh, the Bible, actually. Yeah, just to remain blameless. Like, and and sometimes I do not follow that advice. But immediately, if I don't remain blameless and I do something that, you know, somebody could blame me for, I kind of regret it. Like, why, you know, why do you have to take it there? You know what I'm saying? Just, you know, it'll help you be at peace when you remain blameless. I had a mentor, Deborah Hockmeyer, who's amazing. And she taught me this concept. um, How did I contribute to the consequence? And 
sometimes, you know, something will happen. I'm like, ah, oh, but they da 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 And she would say, but how did you contribute to the consequence? And I'm like, me? What did I do? Blah, blah, blah. But then I realized I didn't give someone the right instruction. I... I did. There are ways that I contribute to the consequence of the outcomes that I'm experiencing. The more ownership I have over my own actions, it leads to a more peaceful life because I'm not spending all this time blaming everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. So that's my best piece of advice is remain blameless so you can be at peace you know stop trying to prove everybody wrong or you know yeah prove everybody wrong or or try to let them see that they're wrong like you don't have to do that they will see it on their own you know just be chill remain blameless Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. You're just so inspiring. To connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social, at Women in Tech Show, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hi, I am Deja Williams. I am a manufacturing and quality engineer at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory based in Los Angeles, California. We work on NASA's robotic systems. And you are listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.